Привет, everyone, and welcome to Nymphed Alumni, where this week we're talking about an emerging aesthetic known as Russian bimbo core. So Russian bimbo core, also known as Slavic bimbo core, is a TikTok and Pinterest-based aesthetic characterized by heavy winter furs, ushanka hats, glam knitwear, padded snow boots, like moon boots, and a lot of light neutral colors, lots of creams and whites that reflect usually a very snowy atmosphere. So to warm up, how do you guys dress during the winter? Well, I'll go first. I, I live in New York City. It's really cold here and I do have a really hard time still having swag during the winter, but I have been kind of having the same formula for the past like three or so years. I think this aesthetic meshes kind of well with mine because I have this like rule against wearing pants. So I always end up wearing tights and like a short skirt and then a giant coat that's like a puffer coat and tall boots. But I think my coats aren't as swaggy as theirs. So I need to get like a fur lined one with a giant collar and like giant sleeves. But I do have earmuffs. Yeah. Oh, cute. Nice. Thanks. I'm, I live in Texas, so like winter is very volatile and um, the weather changes throughout the day. So I usually will literally wear shorts and bring a jacket in my backpack. And like the <laughs> meme of Texas is like everyone's just in shorts in 30 degree weather. That's as cold as it gets here. So I don't really even have a winter closet. It's like super tragic. I don't even have a puffer coat. I feel like jealous of the northerners, um, all the Yankees. <laughs> I've had a mixed winter experience throughout my life. I've lived in some really cold places and I've also lived in like New Orleans and stuff where it's constantly humid and hot. I also really like, Alexi, the aesthetic you just described. I guess it's not an aesthetic, but wearing skirts in the winter with tights. It's really cute. I also love tall boots, leather boots. I love riding boots. And I think my favorite winter accessories are earmuffs as well and fingerless gloves. Love fingerless gloves. And also, I love wrapping scarves around my head. Like, where it's a scarf. Okay, hijab. No, not in that way, but like, just when you bundle it around your neck and then form a hood with mm. it, it's yeah. so much more warm than if you wear just a scarf yeah, unconnected to your hat. And then also, I used to have a really terrific winter coat collection that was stolen from me by absolute tragedy that I'll never talk about on this podcast. (laughs) Um, But I had this one winter coat, which is kind of in line with this episode's aesthetic because it was a huge, huge fur coat that was owned by someone I know when he was in boarding school in like the 60s. And it was like a huge fur Sherpa coat that was like tan- it was the, it was like wait the IKEA monkey is wearing a it's like a tan sherpa coat on the outside and then it has like white yeah like white trimmings white trimmings yeah, yeah so it was like that but mm. it was so massive and thick and stiff and it had a cigarette from it in it from like the <laughs> 60s and I always kept it in there um I would have smoked it no it was good luck I think wait y'all yeah Wait, Sorry, we can cut this out. It's breaking news that Sean Mendez and Camilla broke up. Oh my god, I thought you were gonna oh, say he died. God. Fuck. I was like Sean <laughs> Mendez died, guys. Oh my really god. Funny. Um but oh, I think what 
what this wait uh, oh, she's sorry, actually the op she's the opposite we can leave that in actually it's is breaking she's news so Miami core. she's so miami core she's like the, the opposite of this maybe this she she felt somewhere in her bones that we were recording this today and oh, she um yeah, down. they're always wearing the flip-flops too and like literally shuffling down the street or whatever <laughs> i think okay my theory about the popularity of this aesthetic though is that it's like girls who are just now growing up out of their youth <clears throat> and realizing that um you can look cute in the winter they probably have just worn hoodies and like jeans and whatever coat their mom bought them for up until now and it is kind of like a major luxury to be able to afford cute winter clothes because it's something that you don't really get that much use out of most people just have one winter coat and ride with that but to be able to pull off actual winter looks is really a luxury and it's also kind of associated with winter sports a major part of this aesthetic is like ski wear those really cute ski suits i guess yeah it's like similar to the classic snow bunny aesthetic that's always been referenced in fashion and also been just like something that is desirable because it's associated with the, the leisure class of people but it's definitely more exotic which we'll get into like the eastern european eastern european exotic effect but i also wanted to say that what you said about girls finally being like oh it, i can be cute in the winter is an interesting point because i feel like when i was growing up and also just like into the mid 2010s there were like winter coats that were like stylish and cool and ones that were really unstylish and uncool. For example, like when we were kids, puffer jackets were considered uncool and then they yeah. came into fashion in like 2014, I think, through streetwear. And now I feel like all winter coats, there's not as much of a discrimination by your winter coat anymore. Mm -hmm. Like there's a time and a place for all of them. For example, like pea coats massively went out of fashion and now I see girls wearing them again and they're super cute. I think so, what might be out of fashion is like fleeces. You don't see anyone wearing like those. Like Sandy Liang, Slint Liang. Yeah, this, but also like the Patagonia fleeces that used to be really popular when I was in high school. The printed ones, oh, like an Aztec print. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Patagonia fleece. That was so, I had one of those Aztec print Patagonia yeah, me too. That was. That's like what's very, I think American winter fashion is very androgynous because it's very like granola, like REI, hiking shit, hiking boots. It's very much, it's almost like the prep thing of men and women kind of wear the same exact thing. It's like a very American androgyny, I think. Yeah. And everyone's kind of grasping at like exaggerated femininity or something with like Russian bimbo core and like other wave aesthetics. Yeah, let's yeah. talk about some causations, which is kind of what you just got into there. I mean, I think this is just super in line with a lot of the other aesthetics that we talk about. Trag wife, um, sugar baby groupie. It's it's kind of like a, a synthesis of like a trad wife fantasy with like a bimbo sugar baby. Because I think that women have like this, or like American women have this conception of Russian bimbos as this like... Tra trad um like subservient to their man type thing and subservient I mean, but sassy and opinionated just like twitter users <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. and i think it's just interesting because like everyone modern zoomer girls are just kind of continuously coming up with increasingly very decorative ways to renounce their autonomy through aesthetics and it's all it's, i think it's just like they're very paralyzed by their own freedom in the society that we live in and they're coming up with new forms of feminism that are like 
basically they just amount to being um, feminism is like making your man pay for everything and making him work and you get to stay home and that what like that it's like this great reversion that we're seeing with like zoomers wow that really reminds me of i think not to shout out default friend again but in her um sex negativity report she talked about the resurgence of that kind of i don't know more traditional domestic relationship traditional masculinity and femininity and i think a lot of it has to do with immigrant ideology and more pre-girl boss ways of getting your bag yeah getting your bag and like being successful in a way that doesn't have to do with like work i think in the existence of this micro style kind of makes me think that gen z is gonna be the generation to really destroy the concept of coded luxury like we're really not interested in this subtle bracelet or something or something that's norm core looking but made out of really expensive materials this really is an over accessorized and super niche micro trend that honestly like i don't really see manifesting into reality and that's another thing too is that it is kind of like a terrible cocktail of like gen z pinterest wave girls having debilitating mental illness but also being hyper aspirational and wanting this like lifestyle that's very high maintenance yeah it's kind of like wanting to be oppressed by your physical surroundings because winter is a highly oppressive time in like siberia which is where all these i think all these photos are dreamt of being in i also wanted to say alexi what you just said there about this, this aesthetic being so over-accessorized and like the opposite of coded luxury is interesting because when I was thinking about this, I think I, think I first started thinking about this like a, a couple months ago, but I kind of saw it as a more toned down version of like the American Y2K bimbo aesthetic with all the baby pinks and rhinestones and just like over the top Paris Hilton fashion but it still is extremely opulent in its own way. It's just not as tacky, I guess. Furs have existed, I guess, for like hundreds of years. So it's, yeah, it is a bit more traditional, like you said, Sam, versus like Y2K is always going to be dated to Y2K. Also, you know, just on on the note of that, this is quite different than the mid 2010s when everyone was in there like, stop buying fur bag, which obviously, you know, it's really difficult to say through a Pinterest photo who's really like real fur and fake fur, though you can definitely usually tell, but you can't 100% be like, oh, that's real fur. But just the the dream of these fur outfits, I don't think these girls are dreaming of wearing acrylic furs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's very true. I was just talking with someone about how like the PETA, I don't know, PETA just like embarrass themselves so much that they like don't have any credibility anymore as a real, I don't know, entity, but... It's also like Gen Z is kind of in the ideological trenches when it comes to <laughs> consumption. Like the whole thrifting discourse, you're stealing from poor people, like you're upselling shit on Depop. It's just so bad. AliExpress and Shein discourse is also pretty horrendous. Buying dupes, buying knockoffs, I think that's something that most people are like really accepting of now. But I'm, I'm glad you brought up Y2K because the thing that's interesting to me about this style is that, you know, a lot of styles previously were based on like nostalgia or on a temporal kind of scale where it's like, oh, like the 60s are coming back. This version of like 80s fashion is coming back. But it's really fascinating to me that this is like a very location based aesthetic that's not actually based on like 
any reality of how people dress in Russia, but this fantasy of a nationalistic, kind of like ethnocentric aesthetic. And it made me realize too that our current interpretation of Y2K has inevitably kind of splintered into these racialized aesthetics. Like there's the very white, like Paris Hilton, Hollywood, Texas, McBling, princess thing. And then there's also a very like black Y2K that's like Destiny's Child, Aaliyah, Video Girl, and also the more like earthy side of it. And then I think most recently it's been like the cyber fruits magazine, uh-huh. Harajuku style. Like um, actual Y2K, like actually around the millennium versus like 2003. Yeah. And I think people are getting so kind of canceled for that. Also like the wave of people buying stuff um, with proxy services on Japanese websites and reselling those for a lot. And also like Marc Jacobs Heaven has somewhat commodified that aesthetic. I think this style to me represents like a rebirth where it's like so fantasy based and so like, I don't know, Biz, I feel like you can speak to the accusations of like cultural appropriation since you made a TikTok and like oh, yeah. this was crazy about that. But I feel like it, because it's a, a kind of fantasy of like a white culture to some extent i feel like you can avoid a lot of discourse um yeah so i made a tiktok about this a a month ago or or a couple months ago right when this aesthetic was emerging and once that video started getting views the discourse really heated up because a lot of i haven't i honestly haven't gone through all the comments because it's just like comment chains where i just don't want to read them but um a lot of people are quite sensitive and say that it is culturally appropriative of like, I guess, pan Eastern European cultures. Um, Um, I mean, I think it's just like what I find most interesting about perceptions of Russia, especially the way that Gen Z perceives them. But I think this is also something that's existed since like the Cold War perception of how Russia is just like this big other thing. The way that I think Americans perceive third world white people is really interesting because it's so drastically different from like third world brown people or people of color because I think Americans, when they perceive third world people of color, they think in like children almost, like they think in people terms, but when Americans perceive third world uh, white cultures, they think in like environments and architecture and ambiance, which is like a very strong factor in all of the Russian bimbo core TikToks with Molchot Doma buildings, weird snowscapes with dark and there's like a flash photo of this like gorgeous girl in like the middle of a, like a icy wasteland or something. <laughs> um, and I just think that's like very interesting. Like Americans can't really, they, they, there's this like very interesting thing that happens with Russia specifically in the minds of Americans where they just literally can't perceive it. Like um, it, it's just like it, it's liminal. I'll get into that I in a bit. Just about but like, to say that, yeah. yeah. That really made me realize that this aesthetic is, at least in photographs, like a major part of it is that really eerie Arctic Circle lighting where it's like gets dark super early, but there's like flash photography. There's always just this weird vibe. Like, I feel like I've been here before. <laughs> oh, that's actually yeah. a really good point because when I was writing about this, for my initial research for this TikTok, I was just looking up um, like Russian bimbo core on Pinterest. And I noticed that a lot of the associated photos are just photos of like a brutalist apartment block with like really beautiful flurrying snow, like right past dusk where the sky is kind of like hazy yeah. and like luminescent, luminescent still. 
Um, so soft grunge. Yeah, it's super, super soft grunge. I was actually going to say that, you know, we, we brought up Joanna Kuchta a couple times on the pod, or at least I have. And it's really interesting because, I mean, one of the comments I've seen about this is like, that it's basically just glorifying like white girls wearing furs or like white girls wearing winter clothes. But that's also another criticism that was applied to soft grunge in the 2010s was how it like really preferred really, really pale skin tones. And Joanna Kuchta was the face of soft grunge. And today she has have she has a pretty significant uh, part in the mood board economy that's associated with Russian bimbo core. Like I've seen a lot of pictures of her used as the avatar for girls that are into this aesthetic, like her wearing a white Ushanka. Um, mm-hmm. So, sorry, I just got a little distracted there, but it's an interesting like circularity really right, yeah. to pop, to soft grunge and pale blogging of yeah, 20, the 2010s. I think we're honestly doomed to be on like a cycle of this. And I think it makes sense that with the changing of the seasons, we'd see like a waxing and waning of conservatism or like a weird race relation thing you guys know i'm obsessed with this concept of like global south aesthetics (laughs) and i think in the summer that is it tends to flourish because like people of color can enjoy the natural wealth of their home countries and spend all day in the sun and it's like in the winter like white people can cozy up in their mountain homes and have like hoarded wealth and practice like niche sports and I think you know culturally we need to prepare to ride that wave but yeah I already miss summer tbh but yeah if you're wondering why this aesthetic looks so white it's like think about who like has fun in the winter time I don't know (laughs) it's actually really true winter is pretty brutal if you don't have money if you're in a cold place like you're constantly like sloshing around and snowshoes that like don't fit and yeah and as an immigrant from the global south, it's like literally everyone in my family gets so depressed when it's cold. They experience seasonal depression like more than anyone. They have no desire to like have swag, like if we just <laughs> shut down. Um, well, what I do want to say about like Russian bimbo core specifically, and this is kind of the whole sugar baby fantasy is it is true that like Eastern Europe is actually just like super poor. Very like I mean, I'm not all of it. That's like kind of I don't want to like stereotype it, but like some parts of it very much are like third world. And I just do do think there's something that happens in the brain of the West that can't literally can't perceive the the idea of a very poor. Like I think it's like the same thing with Appalachia, like mm-hmm. poor Appalachia. We think in like these weird environments, these spooky, weird scapes and stuff. I think there's something about poor white people that. It's hard for Americans to like fully process that. I like cryptids. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait, this is so adjacent to cryptid core. It really it is, really which is. does yeah. not sound real, but if you don't know what it is, but it is real. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to say, Sam, what you just said. Sorry, let me think about what I was going to say. Oh, I think for Americans, it's young American women. It's attractive. It's almost like the opposite of being a nepotism baby, because it's like this girl had to grind for the luxury that she's now able to show off which is through like looks maxing optimizing her appearance being really good at attracting men and so i and and again as i said i think it's an attraction to like physical environmental resistance but also through i guess some form of like social resistance and like lack of what is the word everyone keeps using uh like when everything is so easy and there's no resistance oh ennui not on we. Um, 
no, it's frictionless. Like, frictionless. Frictionless. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's like yeah. it's like it's not frictionless at all. Like there's an idea of um effort and cunning that goes into it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Have you guys seen the movie Red Sparrow? God, I sound like I'm Jennifer Lawrence's publicist, <laughs> but she plays she plays a Russian bimbo core girl that has to become like a sexy assassin and she goes to a school where they have to like learn how to give good head to like Whoa. get information from Americans. Wait, that's like that's honestly pretty similar to I mean that's like a common trope, but even in the Black Widow movies with yeah. Scarlett Johansson, they go to like Russian bimbo school to become assassins. Yeah, I love that um, pro. Like what's their acceptance rate? <laughs> but, um, yeah, speaking of that, I think yeah, because I'm really glad you brought up like the looks maxing when do we not when do we not I know (laughs) I know we're literally the looks sexy podcast but I feel like but it's interesting to think about the contrast between this and like uh, nepotism babies because I kind of feel like an analysis of Russian femininity like if the kids thought about this a little bit more could instill some class consciousness or like rad femme vibes into the youth because like this focus on hypergamy, which is like the practice of marrying into a higher social class, or at least sleeping your way into it, it kind of highlights the fine line between sex work and reproductive or domestic labor, especially because it's really normalized in these poorer countries for women from poverty to pour all of their time and money into being feminine and performing femininity rather than pursuing more traditional paths like um, education or employment as like a means Like becoming of, a nurse. Yeah, as a means of upward oh, mobility. Yeah. You can definitely be a sexy nurse, though, I mean. Oh, yeah. Russian culture in general has been quite popular in pop culture. Or I guess not just Russian, but like, yeah, like pan-Eastern European in our American minds. There's a lot of examples of this. I think a lot of it came from leftism booming in certain circles in the U.S., when people started saying comrade and having a boner for the Soviet Union, Gosha in the 2010s, people got really into brutalist architecture and also like websites design being brutalist. And then I think the biggest, two the biggest, or the biggest one probably is like, there's a huge Soviet influence in like what was really cutting edge fashion at the time and still has a lot of influence today and like Vetmont and Lada. Volkova and Demna, they've really commified our great nation. And then the last thing I want to say is um, I think that this aesthetic, Russian bimbo core, is really connected to the waif aesthetic, which has a very a preoccupation with ballet. And Russia is like famous for having beautiful ballerinas. So those are a couple examples. And then also on TikTok, there's just always people making aesthetic content about Russia. There's a lot of Russian sounds that trend on TikTok. I can't tell you the names of them because they're in Russian. Simple Dimple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like even the Rasputin song. Um, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah, the algorithm really picked up on Russian culture, but also just the waif aesthetic picked up. I mean, it, we have to mention like Red Scare did, like just Dasha and her involvement with waif aesthetics and waif blogs loving Red Scare. Big, one of the biggest trending sounds of a Russian bimbo core is all the things she said, which is the Red Scare theme song. Oh, yeah. Um, I think another reason, it seems like, ugh, I don't want to make this generalization sound really bad, but like, it seems like being spicy white or like ethnic white has been kind of blowing up on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Because the people that we previously perceived as just white Americans in public have, through videos, led us into 
their domestic lives that are really immigrantastic. <laughs> it's like now we're realizing that people we thought were just like normal white people have really weird food and weird interior design and abusive household dynamics, but also really beautiful <laughs> culture and weddings and they're building community in the comments and white Americans are all in the comments like, wow, your culture is beautiful. Like, I wish I had culture. And I think that has to do with the collective longing for not like an ethnocentric aesthetic, but for some sense of um, community based around ethnicity. I have like a whole theory on this, which is like, I think the reason why this started happening is because, I mean, it really started happening in 2016, which I mark as really the start of the biggest disintegration of a national identity in America, because Mm -hmm. nationalism, obviously everyone was like nationalism, Trump. And whenever this, this even happened in Russia, like Yugoslavia, when Tito died, there was no longer a national identity. And so everyone started breaking off into their different ethnicities. And there was And I think in America, we have the melting pot. Obviously, it's a country of immigrants and the identities literally melted away so that you have this like collective American identity. And now that like the American identity is sort of breaking down, people are like returning back to like their immigrant identities in order to like define themselves under a collective, some sort of collective definition. That's That's like my theory on it. Yeah, Um, I was really into this train of thought earlier this year. I called it exotic whiteness. I was trying to figure out why Babushka core was emerging on TikTok, and obviously this that's very adjacent to this. But I think especially for like Zoomers that were raised by Gen X parents, I think there's a real dissolution of tradition with Gen X, especially cultural tradition and like family traditions that are like not cultural traditions. I mean stuff beyond like watching Star Wars every Christmas Eve, like actual. Mm-hmm historical tradition and i think that's even a bit different than being raised by a boomer i think they were more attached to tradition and so now i think we're seeing a lot of whiplash as a result of i don't want to blame gen x it's not that this is i'm just speculating here yeah honestly immigrant gen z vibes it's like everyone is really obsessed with mitski and stuff but everyone's like i feel like i'm like my parents didn't teach me my first language i'm so disconnected from my culture like i'm too blank for blank but i'm also too american for like nigeria i don't know it seems like everyone's kind of totally lost um yeah no that's like the most common i'm i'm from south texas and it's like a very mech it's like the town i'm from is like 70 percent mexican and that's like a, a quote from the selena movie who's from my hometown is like neither here nor there like this whole scene of her kind of talking about how she, she needs to know like all the mexican music and then all the american music and that that's been really po- been popularized, like especially now I see like edits of it on Instagram all the time. You know what I think might have started this all is the sound that's like, there were a million versions of this, but it's like, ayo, blank check, and then oh, people yeah. are shipping all the shit around their house. Oh yeah. Wait, no, I thought that it was, okay, never mind. I was thinking of the TikTok, oh, we're doing the thing where we describe TikToks out loud, okay. Um, no, it's, <laughs> it's like, not cringe when we do it. It's yeah, it's not cringe when we do it. No, it's I, never mind. But I was gonna say, the, you guys keep saying like, "Oh, I'm too white for Nigeria, but I'm too Nigerian for America." <laughs> I keep thinking in my head like, "Too dumb for New York, too ugly for LA." <laughs> like, it's the like, same thing. Yeah, I don't know. That's. Yeah. I think also this aesthetic seems to mark like a coming of age for 
liquids because like liquids. Some of it is kind of bordering on like the mob wife aesthetic, mm-hmm. which seems to be on the come up. Like everyone watched Sopranos. I wonder whose impact that was. That has something to do with Red Scare, right? Like it they, was Red yeah, Scare, like, yeah. That. But I feel like the figure of the mob wife is like the. Pokemon next evolution of the Y2K party princess that everyone had this like fantasy of during COVID that was like not actually real because wait, what did I read here? Everyone's trans- transitioning from Snooky to Real Housewives of New Jersey from messy <laughs> vodka baby to polished wine mom. So um, true, yeah. literally. Oh, and this is kind of just my theory about giant fur coats is that it epitomizes power dressing but not in this like career oriented shoulder pads way but almost like an evolutionary biology thing you know when you see a bear and you have to like make yourself bigger to scare it off it's like that you just have to become huge even though you're really small and even though you're delicate it like kind of screams that you're like protected or like taken care of have, by you, guys have, have you guys ever worn a fur coat no, no. Yeah. Oh my god, it really is exactly what you just described, Alexia. You would transform into like an animalistic <laughs> presence. Like, it limits your mobility. You become bigger. It's just such an interesting experience. I um, wanna... it's like we should, swaddled. we should, we should mm-hmm. have that be part of our event calendar, which in addition to the marathon, we're all going to run it together. <laughs> <laughs> we were hosting it. No, but that's the thing about these, the thing about Russian bimbo cores, as opposed to American bimbo core, more reductive than it is additive. So like American bimbo uh, core is like BBL, big, big tits, big ass, big thighs. And then in Russian bimbo core, it's like, instead of making your butt bigger, you just like make your waist impossibly small. And you're like, your ankles are impossibly small. And it's accentuated by the giant boots that you're wearing. The giant coat you're wearing just makes your neck look really tiny. Like all of it makes you look very dainty and tiny. And like, you're like reducing yourself. The additive part is your clothing instead of plastic surgery. Even though there is so true. Yeah. Even I mean, Anushanka does something to your features. Yeah. Your head just look tiny. It's so like I envy you. I really like yeah. that point, Sam. It's like, yeah. but. I guess to me it's like a mixture of both, which is really what results in this like cartoonish silhouette that <laughs> is really evocative on Pinterest and when you see it on your explore page because you know, you have these like miniature appendages and really delicate features, but every single joint is padded in fur and giant puffs. And it really is like a skinnifying optical illusion. You're literally a pig in a blanket. Yeah. <laughs> and you're so constructing cute. your BBL out of giant pieces of fur. I'm looking at yeah. photos right now because I just need to... Oh, yeah. Also, it's... these bitches always look like they're in motion. Like, that's something I think that's also attractive. Yeah. It's like, they're always steaming into like a... What if there's a G-Wagon, like a white G-Wagon? They're literally, yeah. like, you know, the meme of the girl that's walking up the staircase and it's like 2020 to 2021. Yeah, yeah. It's like the end of year <laughs> thing. Yeah, we uh, look at our Pinterest. Guys, also, if, you don't, if you don't look at our Pinterest, like, what's You wrong should, with you? you should. It'll yeah. really give you a lot of visual coherence to what we're talking about. I also want to take this interlude to mention a few key brands that were really source material for this. I would say the biggest actual brand that influenced this, besides just like anonymous fur coat pictures on Pinterest, was Mew Mew. Their fall winter twenty twenty one collection. Did you guys do you guys see that? It's um, Alexi did. 
waiting for Sam's response. Um, no, I don't. I don't think I did. I just saw the Brandy Melville. Let me just describe one. it to you. Um, so it's basically it was a shoot that was. I don't know if it, I don't know if it was a show or if it was just a shoot, but they're like walking through a snowy landscape and they're wearing woolen hoods on their head. They're like bonnets and leg warmers and like snow boots and stuff. And it's basically kind of like a new muified version of this aesthetic. So less bimbo-ish and more like, I guess refined. But anyway, so that was a huge moment that was shared a lot on like mood board, Twitter and stuff. Another thing that it's probably the only other real brand significance in this aesthetic is like these Dior snow boots. They're super popular and oh wait, that's actually another couple of references I wanted to mention. There's another collection. Big. Yeah, oh, moon so, boots. Yeah. Those are big for this as well. Uh, there's another Miu Miu collection which has a similar leg warmer mini skirt vibe which is Miu Miu pre-fall 2010 really good photos for that if you guys can look at them and then the last thing that is i think more influential than anything else actually it's in our pinterest board but it's this D G collection from fall winter 2006. i feel like i also see a lot of i don't know victoria's secret like the angel fashion mm-hmm. shows they always yeah. do at least one look that has this kind of theme to it that's very sexy but there is yeah. this like very obviously like lingerie and then like the irony of having like a giant fur hood on when you're like basically naked which is also something that i've noticed i think last year we saw a proliferation of this type of photo shoot that was like you are dressed so hypothermically skimpy but you have like these really sexy winter accessories on that like was you mean of, like, in like wearing earmuffs but wearing a bikini or something yeah, in the yeah, snow yeah. i love that kind of thought behavior it's classic <laughs> it reminds me of like it. digital camera photos from 2005 i feel like girls just are addicted to doing that it's so do it for the vine like i literally yeah, just love it. it's it's like being like oh she's so crazy like ah she's so crazy yeah i i do i think we're gonna get this into this in another episode but snow and hot girls in the victoria's secret way was so classic it was like essential to the victoria's secret editorial brand but then it kind of went away sugar cookies one thing i wanted to say about snow because yeah it's in a lot of those runway photos oh yeah coke maybe that's like the transitional thing from the like paris y2k (laughs) that's so funny dude that's so funny Um, i think on an aesthetic level aesthetic you um, symbolizes like a plea for redemption like we're coming out of this fall that was like really twilight core fairy grunge deconstruction like brown earth tone stuff and this color scheme is so like blindingly white or like creamy or pastel that it makes it seem like everyone's trying to like get as far away from their alternative dark past as possible and yeah, there's also like an element of like spirit- spiritualism to this aesthetic in a way. Like it has a lot of crossover at the side of Twitter that's like, I'm God's favorite, whatever. Oh, um, yeah, but true. whenever I think of this, it's like the brown and gray and black colors of all of our subversive basic clothes that are like rags are decomposing into the earth. And 
there's a blanket of snow that falls on top of all of it, and there's like a bunny jumping around, and that's we're all forgiven for our sins. Literally so. beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Say it again. <laughs> so I wish, good. I wish there was like a bunny noise we could edit into. That. There's a bunny Bunnies in make our noises? our podcast photograph. The podcast oh, yeah, art. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. That's what we're um, Scott. And also our Pinterest profile picture. I was just looking at our Pinterest and why does it say our pronouns are Zizam? <laughs> you, you did that. Yeah, you no, did I that. Forgot I did it. So you did that. You were like, yeah, you were like, should I do this? And you were like, okay. Um, I love it. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, this like really schizo thesis that I have on just Gen Z and this weird space that they're existing in right now, the way that they're like conceiving aesthetics. Maybe some of our listeners are familiar with Julia Kristeva, who wrote The Powers of Horror, and she sort of theorized this concept of abjection. So abjection is whenever your consciousness is confronted with something that it can't fully process, like death, like a dead body or something. And she kind of defines it as like a thing that does not respect borders, boundaries, and rules. Something abject, it does not respect definitions. So what our subconscious does is it like kind of throws it into like a liminal space, like is what she says. I think that like something that is happening right now with Gen Z, especially that they're very attracted to liminal aesthetics. Russian bimbocore is to me the most liminal aesthetic. It's, there's almost like a comfort to it that I think that Gen Z is attracted. They feel comfy in like the liminal. I think something, you know, the abject again is like something that happens to your unconscious whenever you're faced with, you're like overwhelmed with something. It challenges your worldview and you're just immediately <laughs> going to like put it away somewhere that is just like a no man's land. And I think what's going on, you know, you guys know I'm a big fan of McLuhan and that what this sort of brought to mind is like a McLuhanist or like Deleuzian conception of a digital control society, the way that they describe it, you know, whenever we move into like a society run by digital media, it dissolves all borders instead of like a mechanized society, like a factory or even just like a disciplined society. We're like moving in from the school or the prison, like there's all these separate spaces, digital societies dissolve all boundaries. And I think Gen Z is constantly existing in an abject state because they're living in like the digital world that has no boundaries. It's overwhelming all of their senses and it's challenging their symbolic order constantly. And I think this is why they create a lot of liminal spaces and aesthetics online and they feel drawn and comfortable to them. And Russia itself is a very, it's perceived as extremely liminal because the West can't perceive in between, like liminal is like literally an in-between space. The West can't perceive fully an in-between space between like the West and the East, you know, and it's so isolated. We, we have a very hard time visualizing this. So I think this is something that's happening. It's also like the, we were mentioning about neither here nor there, uh, ethnic identities and stuff. Like yeah. there's nothing very, it's, that's all very liminal to me, I think. Um, I was really into objection last year, but I didn't know the definition of it, but I was obsessed with like labeling things as abject and, <laughs> Also just like, uh, yeah, I was obsessed with using abject in my daily life and it took on a special meaning to me that I won't get into, but that reminds me, you know, this attraction to liminal spaces that you just brought up. Reminds me of what we were saying earlier about this quest for friction and resistance. Well, I think also, have y'all, the Russian bimbo TikToks that I've seen within like a 30 seconds or something they like edit in 20 pictures and it's just like boom 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 like this mm -hmm. picture this picture this picture 
And it's just like, that's like a lot of these aesthetic TikToks. Just like an extreme amount of information, very grating sounds. Oh, I was going to say something about Russia being like an uncanny valley kind of... Oh my god, that's so true. Locations, but I don't really know where I was going with that. No, it is the uncanny valley of countries, I think. Yeah, I think the abject, it's like, instead of uh, having to see people dying, it's like having to deal with the fact that, like, people who look like you, like, lead very different lives. Yeah, yeah, that's I don't know, like, if you go to school in America, we have so much Cold War propaganda, like, laced into our curriculum. And I think what you said earlier, Sam, about how, like, whenever we think about like, countries in the global south, like, where people of color live, you definitely think of an image of, like, you know, actual people, or it's, like, a more, God, I don't want to sound problematic, but, like, anthropological lens that's, like, more focused on culture. It's, like, textbook pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, like, UNICEF bullshit, like, mm-hmm. like United Colors of Benetton type stuff. Um, yeah. But I think our, our image of Russia has a lot to do with the fact that, like, because the Cold War wasn't about human combat, the U.S. couldn't really default to, like, poning Russia on a genetic superiority type beat, so I had to resort to these comparisons of, like, capitalist versus communist that we would see all the time during school, where capitalist stuff is, like, colorful, heterogeneous, high quality, like, the grocery store that has a million choices, versus, like, the communist that's, like, monochrome and homogenous and dilapidated. And so I think that's why these constructed environments like grocery stores and apartment buildings and really shitty parks. Maybe that's why Gen Z's like, I feel like I've seen this before. I'm like, yeah, you probably saw it in like your class. Yeah. <laughs> and you were like, wait, that looks like shit. Like, I'm so happy. I also, people, I think on that level, it's like you think you're deep for it, thinking those things are like aesthetically interesting because your whole life you've been fed that this is like, not objection, but it's like really shitty. This is the worst thing ever. Also, I wanted to bring up, I just had this like blast from my childhood and I know you guys saw the same thing growing up. One of the first meme formats that I remember being so popular was like, like in Russia, hamburger eats you. Yeah, that's the the example of what we're trying to get at. (laughs) We need to make a whole Pinterest folder for those. Holy yeah. shit. Those give me the same vibes as like the Chuck wow. Norris memes that like were really popular too. Yeah, and I can yeah. has cheeseburger, which is like my favorite. Um I'm just gonna speak from my personal experience, I guess, but I know growing up there was an idea that Russian women had really big boobs and were hot <laughs> and were mail order brides and really knew how to give bomb head. And I think this is also reinforced in a different way through the modeling industry because the modeling industry since the, I guess the 2000, mid 2000s, I think, but I don't know, completely has been really dominated by um, girls from Eastern Eastern Europe, which actually sucks. That's such a hard part about modeling is like, I've always not heard, but like seeing girls that, I don't know, are from like Siberia and comes to New York or wherever and they're so young but anyways there there is this concept of like a mythical beauty that Mm -hmm. women possess and it's almost like a fairy tale thing where it's like bestowed upon them regardless of their socioeconomic yeah circumstances and it has the potential to catapult them into like a totally different life um but i think russian femininity has a lot to do 
I don't know, the, one of the reasons why it seems to be popular in, like, the mood board, like, nymphet community <laughs> has to do with some kind of um, connection to youth. And, um, I don't know, this is, like, a running joke that I've heard, like, especially among men, that Russian women, like, when they're younger, they're, like, super model-esque, like, some of the most beautiful women in the world. But then, like, as soon as they get married or, like, turn a certain age, they become these, like, babushkas with really bad dye jobs, like, overnight. Yeah, I guess... As you mentioned, Biz, like, the young Russian woman specifically is associated with, like, sugar babies, the barely legal mail-order bride stereotype, sketchy modeling agencies, ballet or ice skating or, like, gymnastics. And these are all low-key really miserable professions that are mm -hmm. really tied to your appearance and your body. And I think the overall miserable vibe of, like, Russian visual culture lends really well to this, like, internet community that is really obsessed with like the combination of being beautiful and suffering and i think that's why it seems to be not like less male gazy like it definitely is tied to being like thin and sexy but i don't think they understand the like long-standing i don't know weird fetish surrounding russian women yeah no you're totally right and i think also i feel like what we're like almost like building a new stereotype for Russian women, I think, especially with like Gen Z, because it's almost like wishful thinking that's like mm -hmm. fulfilling all of their like already pre-existing like trends and desires of just like, oh, I want to be a trad wife. Like, oh, I want to be this like hot, like bimbo sugar baby. Um, and so it is just like they're willing it into existence. But also I think that Gen Z has like this weird, like falsely implanted memory that like bimboism was ever a standard of beauty like it never was a standard of beauty even in the early 2000s like the popular like conception of bimboism was like maligned so maligned by like modern society like it's always been like a fringe like almost like blow up doll fetish for like very few people for like but weird women, ass guys yeah yeah like i would say soft bimbos were really getting through life yeah. really well like in the early 2000s show, yeah. no 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 i mean like, yeah. i mean like i mean women with fake tits and blonde hair in the 2000s. I think they yeah, succeeded. Anderson. And just like, I grew up with a lot of women like that, that like were upwardly mobile. Yeah, I mean, probably. Yeah, I, I maybe I'm falsely implanting my own memory, but like my- Wait, my is, are you saying this doesn't exist in Texas? I am uh, oh, taking it back. Yeah, no, it does, but it was like, it, it definitely does. And I saw these women all the time, but like the what I always heard from people, especially men, was like, this is disgusting, like, I would prefer, like, natural, like, mm -hmm, blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah, like, oh, and they, there was, like, this perception that they were, like, lying, or they were just being, like, deceivers, and... They were literally, like, that hoe over there, like, that was... <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> oh, my God. That, that reminds me of Dolly yeah. Parton, how she, there was, like, that famous quote that she said where she, like, saw this woman in her town that was, like, basically, like, super bimbo-fied, and she was like, who is that? Someone was like, oh, she's a down, she's a town whore. And then she was like, wow, I want to be just like her. Yeah. Uh, I also that? think on a really basic, <laughs> basic level that these, that everyone as a culture right now, a lot of people are reacting against body positivity and being like, yeah. embrace your fupa. Your fupa <laughs> is your joy. Honestly, they low-key skirted around like, the glorifying thinness thing by inventing this aesthetic because it's like we're not like promoting anorexia like these girls are just like they come from poverty like they can't help it i oh, love yeah. that fucking narrative yeah. like i think yeah. um 
Natalia Vodinova. I don't know if that's how you say her name. I probably just said it, but I she also grew up in poverty. Um, but I I just thought I just started thinking about how like the model scouts. I don't know if they still do this, but they used to have to take the like Trans Siberian Railroad and like go to Siberia, and they would like do that all the time to find girls. Um. They now the they probably just go on. Yeah, they like took the Orient Express. Sam, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that really reminds me of the oh. very first point you made about like the desire of young women today to like relinquish their agency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or autonomy. No, it's true. Because like these Russian girls do have, or like I don't know, in like the weird documentaries about modeling and ballet that I've watched, they yeah. do often just get swept up into these like things that these like enterprises that are very predatory. Mm-hmm. And there was, it seems like they're low-key ill-fated. I don't know. Like, yeah, there was um. We should talk about. I mean, athletes. I think what you're just yeah, saying about Ill, ill-fatedness is just tied into like beautiful woman syndrome mythology in general. I think like the ill-fated bimbo is also like you get these fake tits and then you end up alone anyways. But also, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was a lot of. Um, I mean, that's what it is. It's what Sam was talking about, like guys you do all this stuff to make guys like you and they don't like you but you expire it just makes me sad i guess it's also the there's a lot of stuff that's in the media about these like super young russian models like going because you know if you know anything about modeling you know that sometimes girls in the early in their career will do like a stint in japan or korea Mm -hmm. or china and there's a lot of stories about like super young russian models going to live in a model apartment in like korea or china and dying um and it's really sad no but that kind of reminds me of like like walter you know we, we've had walter on the pod before and he he's like well very well known for like casting for goat i mean he, he cast for gosha right like he like i don't know but probably yeah i think he even modeled for gosha like there is something we need to like explore this deep more deeply is just like the strange like the, the fetish for the strange that emerged in fashion like chernobyl vibes or whatever like um, and what's interesting about Russian bimbo core is that Gosha Gosha vibes were very like severe, like hard edges, like very like jagged aesthetics. And Russian bimbo core is like very round, very soft, very like pillowy, like feminine. Um, so it's almost like the like female counterpart to like Gosha vibes. I think I don't know. Oh, Gosha BF Russian yeah. bimbo core GF. <laughs> or GF. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Trying to be like but the... also. There's a whole name for the plastic surgery look that's popular in Russia, which is that they called like, what is it called? Like Russian clinic or something? There's a name <laughs> oh that is like, like the IG Russian, Russian clinics. Yeah. Yeah, but there's a specific name for it. And also the fox eye trend came first out became, oh, yeah. came out of Russia. And that was basically. illegal, like. Yeah, yeah. Fox eye trend. Also, also, like Russians are Asian. So, like. Um... <laughs> Like they are also very like on the on finger on the pulse, but we need to disclaim to the <laughs> listeners like yeah no we need to disclaim to the listeners especially our Russian li- listeners like none of us are Russian and like a lot of the, like what we're talking about is literally just like Western perceptions of Russia like we're not talking oh, about yeah. Russian beauty standards mm-hmm. like we have no idea like this is no all just idea. like stereo yeah, we're just discussing stereotypes right now like <laughs> we're, we're like yeah nice. like we're we're full yeah do you ever like remember that. I feel like r- Russian vibes are really popular with band kids. 
What's yeah, a band they're kid? Into, like, Soviet like, Union kids. Yeah. Oh my god, like, because really it's like world, they're World War Two kids. Yeah. 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 Anyway, they're, I hope they're the, the ones Russians. I think they should be happy with the rebrand from like being associated with like the most whack, like annoying, like history, <laughs> like marching band kids, who would like wear like military regalia to school. Um, yeah. And now they're like associated with these really glam. So there's like a big association of this style with like what can only be described as like the living doll aesthetic. Um, Love. Like Valeria Lukianova, uh, this like Eastern European. Hate girl who is known as the um living barbie she was kind of like this look i guess but um i think the current litter of gen z online girls probably have a sentimental attachment to this concept of living doll because it was like the web 1.0 like pop-up ad like youtube clickbait of our childhood and it was always in my recommendations like this woman is a living barbie like living doll question mark exclamation point and it's just like i feel like that is at least in my life like a major loss of innocence moment because it was like okay i was like actually really interested in dolls like i was that young but then i like discovered these women and like barbie-esque like actual humans and then just like became super insecure and like instantly understood something about like beauty that really fucked me up well that's like um that's like what I was getting at with the abjection. Like, like if you grew up like as a digital native, like that is like the like cognitive dissonance that like caused you to like exist in a constant state of abjection. Cause you're just, you're like confronted with these like crazy images as a kid, especially with clickbait. Like that was a thing like Valeria, Valeria, I don't know. Um, she, she was just like so dissonant. Like we threw her into the liminal space in our brains. Like we did, like we couldn't process her. Um, should we talk about how she's a Nazi or no? I'll talk about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would say she, she aspires to be, you know, I think the the party line in the West, Western media was that she wanted to be a Barbie, but really she wanted to be the ideal Aryan woman in her own head because she is a Nazi and that just, she is like not in a colloquial liberal Twitter way. She is, um, doesn't believe in race mixing, and she believes in white supremacy. Valeria is Ukrainian, very famously the headquarters of the National Militia, which is like this Nazi. Oh, like, I did not know like, that. Par- yeah, it's like a paramilitary like group of Nazis. And also, by the way, listeners, Biden, like that was like the whole Hunter Biden shit, like, like his laptop stuff. Like Biden was fa- funding and arming the National Militia in the Ukraine. Like he just was. But anyways, um, also I know what I was- Hunter Biden was low key fucking Valeria and not weed Valeria. weed slut four twenty twenty yeah um, definitely be considered race mixing to her but I'm sure you know like <laughs> that's so funny because he's Catholic like what? no white supremacists really jump through all types of hoops to I don't know justify yeah. fucking others. Yeah, that's why she's wearing a bindi because that's like such a that's like a Nazi dog whistle. Like she's not even culturally appropriating. There's just like weird ties to like Hinduism and like Nazism. Yeah, what's that but, woman's name? Ooh, yeah, that Nazi lady. I don't remember. She's Indian, I think. Or she might be Pakistani. Is this an Indian Nazi? Yeah. She like invented uh Sam, what's the name for it? It's like Nazi spiritualism. It's basically this idea oh. of being like super attached to the earth, which is why people accuse cottagecore of being fascist uh because there's like this blood and soil idea yeah well correction 
she's actually French, but she just really liked Hinduism. What? She's yeah, not like, of Hindu origin at all. No, she's you totally know. like culturally appropriating as a white supremacist, which is like lame. But she, her name is Savitri Devi. I guess her her real name was Maximani Julia Portas, and I'm just gonna call her that because I don't like that she named <laughs> herself. But like, like Pat um, Stevens. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah, that's right. Cat Stevens renamed himself something like Islam. That's so mm-hmm. cool. oh my god. But he seems um, peaceful. Yeah, he's fine. I, I think you know. We don't know for sure. Rename myself. We should all rename well, ourselves like, something. Yeah. I already have like uh, a fake name. Sesame Seed is my name. My my hippie name. Is it actually? Like, oh, that's really no. cute. Oh, I thought it was from you yeah, working but, on the but, farm. Valeria <laughs> Her, like, spiritual bimbo vibes are, like, off the charts. She <laughs> was a, I don't know, like, priestess of breatharianism, which is, like, she said that she could only survive on air and light, and it's like, girl, what? That's yeah. mad pro Anna. I think yeah. the reason that she's popular <laughs> is, like, um, I said, like, Walter when I said that, but, uh, <laughs> when, I think the reason that she's popular with the girlies is because... She's kind of a joke. She's kind of a meme because she's so hyperbolic. And I think it's easier. It's like you're anorexic and insane and like want to get your ribs removed, but in like a funny way, you know? Yeah, she's literally in, like a funny also. way. Yeah, well, that's like the thing too is like, um, just like we think of Russia in the West as just like a white country or like just ethnically, but it's like one of the most ethnically diverse or just the Eastern Europe. Uh, like all of the Soviet bloc is just so ethnically diverse. So there's like multiple Abrahamic religions, like every single one, it's like all existing at once. And there's like conflicts that date back to like the medieval age and like the crusades and they're always, so I think Valeria is just like, like suffering from like a bad case of like self-hatred um, and like I just, identifying. I wanna say that my Kazakh, Kazakh, how do you say it? Ex-boyfriend unfollowed me when I started dating a, dating a Polish person. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, they were this doing... Is what I crave, like, I crave not ethnic conflict, but yeah. I, I crave just that, like, belonging to a group so hard that you're willing to unfollow someone. Yeah, yeah. maybe that's not the maybe only you reason. Maybe wanted to but... unfollow you for other reasons, yeah. Yeah, but I think like it's, hearing it's Eastern like Europeans, I always get that um, those TikToks that are like Eastern Europe slander, and it's like uh, I don't know Bosnians when you tell them they can't print more money or something, and they all have these like really oh, funny yeah. like niche jokes about each other, and, like Bosnian yeah. that whole like Yugoslavia like I'm literally obsessed. Um, oh, let me wait, recommend I, this. I want to talk about. Is it the movie oh. where they, the Yugoslavian basketball team plays in the Olympics? No, but that's like a great story. They mentioned that in the Michael Jordan documentary. But like, I, I would, would want to mention that there's this like great documentary on YouTube called The Death of Yugoslavia. And it's like nine hours long. And at one point, I don't know why, I was just like obsessed with like, l- like finally understanding. And I still, I watched it twice and I still don't get it. But like, I now I know it's a really good, it's a really good documentary. I would recommend I it. I, I might cut that out. I need someone to make a cartoon of what each of those countries, like, is, like, what's their vibe, you know? Um, should we talk about, like, the Olympics and, like, how, um... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I feel like this aesthetic is kind of not directly tied to, like, winter sports, but there 
is this like I, it also has to do with black swan you know the idea of like a high achieving girl that is really miserable mm-hmm. i um i've i said this on the exhaust podcast you should get you guys should go listen it was fun to go on there but me and alexi went on but uh i think gen z really lacks an idea of like meritocracy and like they they really lack narratives of like uh, underdog narratives like I think that's why they don't like sports um and I think that their new underdog narrative literally is just like like women who like pull themselves out of just like obscurity or poverty and like triumph and that's kind of the same like Olympics that's like the whole idea behind sports is just like the underdog like you earn your way up through like merit and like a Cinderella story that's um, so displaced to Soviet Olympic culture because they're like highly state sponsored. Like they, yeah, yeah. the it's like artist, a generational thing. I feel like the tortured artist stereotype is something that Gen Z is also really fond of, like XXX Tentacion and like Billie Eilish, <laughs> Black yeah, Swan, MGK, and like the yeah. guy from Whiplash. They I all see people making edits of you know the Marina and the Diamond song that's like hi achiever don't you see you oh, have yeah. to edit that out no it's always edits of like Whiplash and like what are other movies with like obsessed artists that like go into it's because people are trying to create friction seriously yeah, exactly. I'm it's not true. trying to be one of those people that talks about friction all the time but it's true we're literally so friction-tastic today yeah. and very friction-tastic yeah yeah, I think it's also just like, I don't know, kids have like, I always see TikToks about kids having rejection sensitivity dysphoria. What the fuck is that? What the fuck is that? Really scared. It's like a, basically like a way to diagnose that you're scared of failure and like, it's your biggest fear, but it's also their like excuse that they use to give up on things really easily. And so yeah. now like every kid that like, didn't get like the lead in the school musical thinks that they're like Tanya Harding or uh, like well speaking of rags to riches uh stories there's a little movie called a Cinderella story which goes like <laughs> <laughs> never let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game yeah, so, so true. oh yeah dude well I think you're right I mean you Biz you're really like so right about the frictionless thing Thank and I will you. say like the the frictionless thing I think it is like digital media again sorry not to be like that bitch but like McLuhan Deleuze like it's true like digital media like does dissolve boundaries and definitions it makes everything like it he defines it as like highways versus like hierarchies ladders you know like that's like the new society and like literally like friction is caused by like boundaries and like hard definitions we mentioned on the pod before like we lack milestones in our society Mm -hmm. like the Gen Z is in pain, but they have, like, no way of, like, expressing this pain because, like, their pain is, like, literally inarticulate because we are broken. They're so broken. Yeah, broken. Um, can we give him a media. nickname? Is there any nickname we could give him? We can call Marshy. Lulu. Lulu. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I was going to say McLu Dog. And then, and then <laughs> Deleuze is Deleuze is Delulu. Delulu and McLulu. Yeah. It's so bad. Um... Yeah, that's, like, our shorthand. I'm gonna get someone Um, to make, like, little chibi, like, anime drawings of them. (laughs) (laughs) 
Dude, it has like their pronouns. That definitely, like, already, <laughs> that definitely already exists. <laughs> I know, Lulu yeah. definitely would have had like he it pronouns. He it, it's true. Um, um, but he's he, about like televisions and he's like, we're up to yeah. television. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's because the he medium does, is the message. That's true. Yeah. Well, again, like, um, I'll get into this some other time, but like, it is true, like, the digital media is akin to the discovery of fire. It's akin to the creation of the Gutenberg printing press. Like, are the yeah, like, it's just like a, a totally new, like, technology that is like, it, it's going to change the way our brain chemistry is literally formed. And like, anyone who's not a digital native can't understand or even articulate. It's, it, it's creating a new language. It's a language thing. It's like, um, dissolving literacy, it's dissolving logic because literacy is a form of logic and it's sequential order, the way that it separates history in like a linear fashion. Like, um, I, I, I'm going on so many schizo rants right now. I'm sorry, but like, that it's true. So like, um, the only thing keeping literacy right. alive on social media is a little <laughs> account called Mark Fisher quotes. <laughs> it's true, dude. Read her That's captions, true. they're so good. Or, no, 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 don't read this. Ask? Oh, I have a question. Oh is there like a fucking Wait, this sounds so fun. What's going on? It's like a pack of Who's wolves. hooting in Halloween? <laughs> uh, I feel like it's my gay neighbors who have like four dogs, one of which they found in a Home Depot parking lot like two weeks oh, ago. Damn. And Where then their the marriage home... oh. was like, their marriage no, was you're... seemingly weak because um, one of them wanted to keep it and the other one didn't. No, Alexis they tried to give in it to Siberia. Us. Oh yeah, that's damn. my wolf pack. That's my, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. It's like uh, a... Call of the Wild. I have a question yeah. for you guys. I had a question for you guys. Go What's for your it. question? Okay. Right. Oh, I was going to say, um, if you could have gotten your parents to force you to do one thing for longer and become like a tortured artist prodigy at it, what would it be? Uh, oh, well, I think I have a unique advantage in life that I would say I'm very tall. So anything related to the body i would WNBA. naturally yes not wga yeah. though i'm like i'm like well, i could have been a ballerina like but um yeah. i don't know i feel that any sort of sport would have behooved me <laughs> but i don't think that would it would have ever worked out to be honest um maybe oh you know what seems cool what? being uh no i would say any sport i would say that came to mind is pole vaulting. <laughs> so I was thinking Allison, Allison, whatever, Allison Stocky. She um, was the girl who went, a pole vaulter who went like viral in like 2007 for having a hot body. Oh, and yeah. then she married, I think, an Olympic swimmer, but I could be wrong. But anyways, that came to mind. I think, hmm, I think mine would have been playing like the flute. <laughs> like, I'm just so funny. You're like, you're like, is there anything you fantasize about? <laughs> I fantasize about like a million things. Obviously, I wish I was better at ice skating. Um, but literally, like the flute, like you can, it comes in two pieces and it's so skinny. You can literally put it like in your pocket or like in your jeggings and whip it out and click it together and start playing and like little kids will follow you. Yeah, you're, I think the, pied I piper, you're the Pied Piper, dude. Yeah. yeah. You just want to be a Pied Piper. I think I, I my dad was a, um, he is a musician and like he would play like, he's like his expertise is outlaw country and like techno, which is like a weird combination, but he what? plays like, yeah, like, I don't know, but he plays like the accordion and like all these instruments and he just like never taught me how to play any instruments and I'm kind of jealous. What? I'm like, why did, 
We could have started a family band. I think that I wish my parents got me to do, I'm not gonna use the word action sports, but like ice skating or skiing Mm. or something seems really cool. Yeah, Um, I could see you skiing. I was gonna say I could see you bobsledding. <laughs> Bob's your uncle. Why bobsledding? So what about me says bobsledding? I don't know, like your ruddy cheeks. Like I could just see you like sliding around in that tube, and you're just like sitting, and you're so happy. <laughs> yeah, so you're already cute. like naturally rosy. So yeah. you're guys, so my cute. my face just gets red when we're recording because I get excited. Shy. <laughs> I'm literally shy. Yeah, I don't think oh, I actually have that red of a face. But anyways. I feel like um, we're so off topic. I don't know what the we're fuck really we're talking about. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. You have wait, to what was your question, in. Biz? No, you're good. I'm I bored. Don't remember. Oh, it's actually related to the topic, so I guess it can <laughs> okay. re-rail sorry. us. <laughs> yeah, mine was. Sorry, I thought you guys would say you wanted to be Russian when you wanted to grow up. I don't know. Uh, I actually, yeah. when I was a kid, people would tell me that I looked Russian. What? So I yes, because it, yeah. it, it was like the it was like the white when we talk about like the exotic white vibe. Oh, yeah, yeah, It was because I had, like, a very adult face when I was a kid. Like, I had, like, really snapped cheekbones. You're literally just like <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence, like, Appalachian girl that, for some reason, has, like, freak Wajian genetics. You're literally yassified Elliot Rogers, too. I don't look Wajian, though, but it's just, he looks so something, something. But anyways, my question was, okay, so... Wait, let me what? shout out Eddie and ask him to make a, an edit of no. this. No. <laughs> no. Can we literally no, go the inventor of yesification? That's literally going oh, yeah. to start a black team kiss like a fact and yeah. I won't have it. They're literally gonna make Wajin Biz Sherbert. Like I can't Wajin Biz Sherbert. No. No. We're no, gonna no. edit like a That's Heaven so by funny. Mark Jacobs t-shirt on you like <laughs> those little wolf hats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, um, I wanna see the spike article on your suffering. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> that's actually incoming, but not about that. Um, okay. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. Anyways, my question was, so the one of the most contentious things I saw about this was these kids <laughs> wearing Ushankas that were, like, obviously ordered from Amazon. But or maybe they're not Ushankas. They're, like, some sort of fluffy winter hat with flaps. And they have the, I don't know, I literally want to say, like, the Soviet logo, but it's not. It's the... <laughs> Hammer and <laughs> It's the hammer and sickle. What's that called? Like the symbol? It's just called the hammer and sickle. And no, no but like, what is the, the name for that? Like the oh oh symbol of, symbol of communism. I don't it's know. It's literally just the yeah. hammer and sickle. Yeah, but like, what is yeah. the name for like a, a country's logo? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like their flag. Like I, don't I guess it is their flag. Yeah, I guess it's just the Soviet flag. <laughs> but people, <laughs> that they that was related by <laughs> country's PFP. Wait, but that is literally a logo though. <laughs> That's so, much, that's so much more logo-fied than, like, the American flag, in my opinion. <laughs> no, that's um, true. I mean, that's actually... I don't agree with that. I agree yeah. with it. But okay. wait, was that, a, <laughs> was that a question? Wait. No, no, it's... it's a, basically, this specific hat makes people really mad because it's, like, Nishanka that has... Also, sorry for not saying that right, but um, it has a hammer and sickle logo on it. And, <laughs> like, right in the center, and people are very, like... Uh, up in arms about, I guess, kind of like appropriating Soviet culture or romanticizing Soviet culture and making it into like a a visual stimulus or something. Thoughts, ladies? I think it's really just like the uh, like online communist brigade. I always see this discourse between like online communists who like just got into this vibe and then 
like second gen immigrants who were like my parents suffered under communism like we had nothing to eat like stop romanticizing this so i think it has less to do with like race and ethnicity and more to do with class struggles yeah there's like the meme of like oh you're like you're cuban and you fled communism like your parents probably owned slaves or something but that is a thing like everyone who just gets into this they always have like the profile picture of like what is that doggo called? I guess it's just called doggo, but with like the like with like the Ushanka. It's like doggo. Oh yeah. It's so Doge, cool. Doge, yeah. He I always thought it was dog, doggy. Though. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you thought Doge was pronounced doggy? I always think Doge with a hard No, there was a boy that was obsessed with Doge and the time like I dated him, no, he was just a, a, a classmate, but I learned. you knew. It was a boy I knew, but um Another good TikTok I saw recently was, like, this group of young uh, Eastern European or Russian kids, like, in their 20s, and they had, like, a FOB-themed party, which means fresh off the boat, and all the guys were wearing oh, yeah. these, like, Adidas tracksuits and sunglasses and showing up with, like, beer, and all the girls were wearing, like, mismatched floral dresses and, like, scarves over their head, and I was like, this is the Russia core we wish to see in the world. It made me realize that a major thing that I think is a reason why we're romanticizing this like ethnic <laughs> kind of dress is because, um, you know, during COVID, I think there was like a mini gender acceleration that took place and fashion went down this like hyper feminine path. Mm-hmm. And Russian bimbo core is like the result of everyone scrambling to like carry that into the winter which is a trying time for femininity and personal style and like showing your body um, to the also, world. Also, like you were saying earlier, it's like this age <laughs> thing, like this is like the aging of that hyper femininity because yeah. coats, are, fur coats I think in general have always been abs- associated with like mature women. Like I think you always think of like a Corella Deville or like some matronly grandma, old woman, yeah. grandma having furs. Yeah, that's so true. Um, well. When you were saying that, Alexi, like the mob wife thing, it just reminded me, it was like one of our first episodes where we talked about like, maybe it was the Billie Eilish one, like the like, mm-hmm. um, the like schoolgirl to MILF pipeline or whatever. Um, oh yeah. It's like very that. Yeah, um, and I think it's also like the hyper feminine passive fashion that's going on right now. I think young girls are wanting to optimize like every single minute of being perceived as a young girl because we're suddenly hyper aware of the benefits that that has so they're like okay fuck this like this winter i'm not wearing pants i'm not wearing like a gross hoodie and like the coat that my mom bought for me that i've been wearing for like the past two years like i am wearing i'm showing my skinny legs and wearing cute accessories yeah it's very like theory of a young girl pilled where it's like we're suddenly like really addicted to this like self-awareness of the privileges that come with our gender age gender gender i think also well also you mentioned covid and like everyone had an aging crisis after covid because we lost two years of our lives like i like everyone aged so rapidly because like that was just like memory hold or whatever and so Mm -hmm. chugi came out of that um everyone's like afraid of that sort of shit but there's also something else going on with like the fetish fetishization of like babies and I'm baby, but I don't want to get into that right now. Oh, yeah, Sam. Oh, we didn't even get into our, like, Global South TikTok core, where, like, 
Oh, I don't yeah. know, like, Russian Instagram pages that are obsessed with posting, like, a baby's hand that has acrylics on it or something. Or, like, yeah. a really beautiful four-year-old. And they're, like, comment, like, if you think she's pretty. <laughs> and she has <laughs> hair like... down to her ass somehow, despite being born, like, literally yesterday. Yeah. yeah. That's, like, such a thing. Globalism, TikTok, like, that is, like, that. that's what's interesting is within the past year, the tennis skirt has become like, the aesthetic of globalism. Because, like, all of those, like, TikTok, like, content houses out of Russia, like, there's one called the XO team that I'm really obsessed with. They, they always dress them up in the same schoolgirl outfit. Is because, it that like, tiny they're... girl that we send, send around? <laughs> yeah, yeah like, little Asian girl. And she's yeah. standing in, like, a, she's literally standing in a school hallway with, like, all these lockers. Um, and it's there's, like, the like set three... of Riverdale or something. It's so yeah. Weird. Yeah. And, like, these three tall Russian guys are, like, all looking at her as she's doing a dance. And it's, like, really gangbang vibes. But it has enough plausible deniability so that, like, you can't say it's pornographic. It's, like, very manipulative. And I think that, like, um, whenever, like, a media companies, especially with, like, TikTok content media companies, are trying to, like, market to a global audience, what they do is, like, they appeal to, like, the most base animalistic impulses shared by, like, everyone across the world. And that's, like, what they're doing with, like, the schoolgirl thing. It's very strange, like... You know, a lot of these, like, uh, ethnic white cultures, and also, like, I don't know, like, cultural dress in general tends to have a really strong gender binary. And what we don't realize about American fashion, like, even in conservative areas, is that it's pretty androgynous because it's, like, jeans and a t-shirt and, like, athleisure are things that anyone can wear. So I think we are longing for... I don't know. I also live in an Orthodox Jewish neighborhood and I'm seeing them like look really cute in the winter. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm obsessed with you guys. They wear those hats that are Ashanka-ish. Like, I don't know what the, the name for that hat is, but... Neither. It has... They're made out of beaver fur. Mm-hmm. This style honestly has like really Yaru vibes. And I think Yaru is really leaking into like every subculture slash micro trend. Um, because riffing on style in this like Yaru way is the ultimate hack to beating the cultural appropriation accusations, especially considering the discourse around like Asian fashion influence, like Fruits Magazine, Mark Jacobs Heaven stuff, because at its core, Kyaru is like an interpretation of Western style through a Japanese lens. And also it's so close to like cosplay, which sounds bad, but I think like most people can acknowledge that. It's also down back to the Russian doll aesthetic because it is like the russian like the russian bimbo core like the physiognomy of it is like doll physiognomy like big mm-hmm. eyes nose that is so tiny that like it's barely non-existent and like big lips yeah i feel like they look like the ball jointed dolls that i used to be like obsessed with watching people repaint on youtube oh, yeah. oh they look like ebay dolls like have you guys ever seen those ebay dolls that are made by like middle-aged women and they're like really pretty yeah, 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 yeah. Those are often ball-jointed, or like the weird, like, monster Flexible, yeah. <laughs> it's also like the the thing about anime is like, it's such a, it's also like a, another feature of like globalized aesthetics. It's like, they're all very like anime-based because it's a, it is like anime is a digitized cartoon. So everyone's like trying to make themselves look as digitized as possible. That's the same thing with the Gyaru thing, like. Um, I don't think it is. I think it's the new wave of Disney princesses, like the 3D animated <gasps> ones. They are oh kind my of God. Like the yeah. standard. Because they yeah. do have like manga anime proportions, but mm-hmm. a little bit more of a, a Anglo vibe to them. Yeah, I think yeah. The Little Mermaid was the turning point there. 
I feel like that's the the Disney princess that everyone wanted to fuck the most, to be honest. But um, wait, we should talk about long hair a little bit. I feel like that's even though it's not like a fashion thing, I feel like it's really central to this aesthetic. And honestly, it gives me like really sad vibes. Like honestly, in some of the poorest places I've been, girls have such insanely long hair because it's like the one thing they can hold on to that doesn't really cost much to maintain, and it's just such a clear marker of femininity but then i think of those like whack refinery 29 documentaries about like girls in india who like grow their hair really long and then like sell it for oh, yeah. <laughs> but I, i've never seen someone pull the style off with like a bob you know mm-hmm. this is kind of yeah. related to christian girl autumn type shit you know like the yeah i feel like world and well, the also pictures. Like, yeah also like the esoteric like fairy tale vibe of it you know mm-hmm. like mystic femininity or something so do you guys want to go to my roundup questions because i just thought of a good one yes the lady top of the questionnaire is do you guys think that princess anastasia anastasia survived the murder of the last czar family the romanovs yeah. What? I thought this was um, I don't know anything about this. I thought it was a movie, really? so it scratched my answer. No, that was like such a part of my childhood. Anastasia, I had that on VHS. Um Sam, you can like, like look like someone that would be her. Like you give me like <laughs> or you give me spoiler. a Princess Anastasia. I was too horny for the brown girl in it, so I didn't really pay attention to what was going on. Wait, no, I'm thinking of Quasimodo. Yeah, I'm like who are you Esmeralda. No, Anastasia was low-key, like, not that good of a Disney movie. But I don't know why I was so obsessed with it. Um, uh, no, there was that one lady that was, like, really busted. She looked like Gertrude Stein, and she <laughs> claimed to be Anastasia. But she wasn't. Like, she was not a Romanov. But, yeah, I mean, I want a Fabergé egg. Like, I, I want one, but... I love those. Yeah, yeah. that's very, like... Anna, the, like, like, the woman, the women that can, like, claim to be her are very, like, BPD energy, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was Trisha. It was probably Trisha. Like, <laughs> Trisha's the last Romanov. Yeah, it's like every episode on Trisha. <laughs> so true though. That's really, really funny. Uh, yeah, he's what Guys, it is. Guys, if we had a Nipet alumni l- drink at Starbucks, what would be in it? We only get to add one ingredient each. <sighs> <laughs> Mine okay. would be half of it is whipped cream. That's okay. really fucking good. Yeah. Mine would be the other half is cold cream. Okay, no, this is not fair. I feel like it has to be <laughs> it has to be like coffeeless, I think. Like I think it has to be coffee agnostic. Um I really feel a lot of pressure Sour right cream. now. <laughs> no, 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 I know it should be. It's like it a slave has... just but with. Yeah, yeah, no, it should be that cold foam they put on the top, the sweet cream foam. Guys, um, of, all, of, of course, as always, we'd love to hear your thoughts on everything we discussed today. If we got anything wrong or Don't we did tell anything, us. Yeah, just like, <laughs> let us be dumb, please. Like, let us live in- Unless you're Russian, hands. honestly. Yeah, if you're Russian and you have qualms, like, hit me up. I'll talk to you. Um, Don't please. hit me up because I won't open it and I won't reply. For yeah. every episode, we should have like one protected group of people that's allowed to <laughs> gripe at us. Yeah. And this time it's Russians, honestly. Yeah. Y'all are the authorities here. And honestly, yeah. borscht. It's 
pretty good. So. Borscht is good. Okay, well, love you guys. Well, Thanks for das listening. Good night, everyone. Das Vidanya. <laughs>